Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and uh, we're going to get and talk about the Kingdom of God. And I've been working on a lot of things. I've changed a lot of things on hisholychurch.org and .net websites. I've probably changed a hundred different files there. probably made changes on hundreds and hundreds of pages because of the construction of the coding. But uh, we're shifting a lot of things around. Uh, there's a lot of additions uh, preparing you. And now we're, I've even added more to the hisholychurch.org. And, of course, every week we add more to keysofthekingdom.info. And uh, what we're doing is focusing on the network, and we think that's really important, just based on uh, what we see going on in the news, if nothing else. Of course, the network is the one thing that Christ commanded his followers to do, is to create that network, to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, for thousands and thousands and thousands of families to organize themselves in ranks of tens, hundreds, and thousands. And Christ commanded that his apostles do that. You wouldn't know that going to most churches. Most churches just want you to go to their church. They just want you to listen to them. They want to sit in their pew and, and donate in their coffers. You know, for years people have asked me, where do we donate for the ministry that I have? And, of course, we do accept donations, but... We're trying to get you to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands so that your most of your donations are within your local group. Because your local group is supposed to be practicing pure religion, and I don't know hardly a church today on the face of the earth that is trying to practice pure religion. There are a few. Not very many. And even those, those ones who are close to practicing pure religion, there's other things that they do not practice, which is they do exercise authority one over the other. Either authoritarily making up rules that aren't necessarily required by Christ, so that that's not the doctrine of Christ, that's the doctrine of them, or they're trying to shame people and, and motivate people and manipulate people uh, like a cult. And of course, we've like everybody, anybody, anytime you talk about anything somebody doesn't understand, it doesn't look like the church they go to, you must be a cult. Because you don't look like them. And of course, Christ looked like a cult. <laughs> but he wasn't a cult because he was preaching the perfect law of liberty. And cults don't give you liberty. And we talked this morning about love and family and love and, and the community and love and a network and... The, one of the important things is, is that you have to set others free. You don't want to be creating and binding other people and regulating other people. You want to bring them into the light so that they can operate into the light, but you want them to operate voluntarily through faith, through hope, through charity. Nothing about force, fear, or fealty, submission. You know, it's like the submission of husband and wife. You know, the wife is to submit to her husband. But the husband is supposed to learn not to be a tyrant. He is supposed to rule with love and patience. Not because he's bigger or stronger or can boss her around, because he's supposed to have some license to do that. He wants her operating and doing what she does according to the leading of the Holy Spirit in her heart. Because both man and woman are both vessels of the Holy Spirit. 
And until we're all vessels of the Holy Spirit, we're in serious, serious danger. Salvation comes by way of the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. So what does all that mean? See, if you really want to be free, I had people contacting me today. They just just listened to uh, the uh, YouTube uh, broadcast that we made years ago on the higher liberty, which is Romans 13. Paul wanted you to be subject to the higher liberty. And of course, Moses came to set the captive free. Jesus came to set the captive free. The early church was not of the kingdoms of the world. It was a separate government. There was another king, one Jesus. And I hear a lot of modern Christians saying, I have another king, Jesus, but they don't have the dominion of Jesus. They've given that up. And how did they give that up? Gifts, gratuities, and benefits. The same way they always do it. The same way they went into bondage in Egypt. How in the world do you think that you're following Christ if you're back in the bondage of Egypt? And it's worse with you today than it was in the bondage of Egypt. In the bondage of Egypt, 20% of your labor belonged to the Pharaoh. You got free bread, leeks and onions, but your labor didn't entirely belong to you. 20% belonged to the government. That was the bondage of Egypt. Today, most people owe way more than 20% to the governments that they are in. Because they are in the bondage of Egypt. 200 years ago in America, you didn't owe anything on your labor. Your labor was yours. You made $100, you got $100. You, there was no profit. You didn't get taxed on the profit. There was no profit. If you did $100 worth of labor, you got $100. You did a dollar's worth of labor, you got a dollar. Nobody had a right to take away your labor before you received the value of it in exchange with a third party. But today, that's not the case. Because you're back in the bondage of Egypt. You have become merchandise. You have become sureties for debt. And you have cursed your children with that debt. And that's all because of the covetous practices. And the covetous practices are the result of the fact that you have not been practicing pure religion. You are in bondage to the governments of the world because you do not practice pure religion. Pure religion sets the captive free. But you don't even know what pure religion is. So we tell about that. We have articles up on that. We have videos up on that. We have audios up on what pure religion is. And it's very simple. Pure religion is unspotted by the world. And the word they use there is constitutional orders and systems of government. In other words, you take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Through a voluntary society. How can you expect to be free if you're binding your neighbor to provide for your welfare, to provide for free education, to provide for health care, to take care of your parents. How in the world can you be free if you're doing all these things? Now, you can tell me you don't want to be a part of such systems, but maybe you were born into such systems. Maybe you were sold into such systems. It says through that covetous practices, you would curse your children. Well, you are the children of those who have been engaged in those covetous practices in America for a 100 years. And now you have all become surety for the debt of the United States or of whatever country you're in. They're all in debt. They're all in debt. There is no country solvent that I know of. If there is, you let me know. But the kingdom of heaven isn't in debt. Because the kingdom of heaven can't borrow money. (laughs) Anyway, Christ appointed a dominion to his church. Are you a part of his church? 
Are you looking to his church or to the king, the fathers of the earth and the kings of the world? Which is it? So anyway, somebody asked me what I was going to talk about today. And this morning we talked about, you know, things that Anomaly said about you can't keep expecting Trump to do it all. You have to do it for yourselves. We have to do it for ourselves. Do what for ourselves? What is he talking about? And I talked about prophets from South Africa and stuff like that. How they, back in 2007, they said that Trump would be president. Now, I don't know if they're real prophets or not, but they said that Trump would be, they prophesied a lot of things and they were pretty accurate. I don't know. There are guys who go around and look for all the prophecies that these guys make and look for all, for all the times that they're wrong. I haven't done that because I'm not looking for a prophet. I'm looking for the Holy Spirit because that's really what the kingdom is all about. And I talked quite a bit this morning about how you become a part of the collective consciousness of the Holy Spirit, which is what the 120 did in the upper room. How do you get to that point? Well, you probably ought to first sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and go this other way. So, anyway, and then I said, you know, I put up a video at our YouTube, His Holy Church, all one word, at YouTube, look it up, and you can subscribe there. And you'll be getting the videos that we add there. And we already put on a new video just this week. And it tells you how to find out all the other things that nobody is telling you about or hasn't been telling you about for years and years and years. So, anyway, but we're hopefully going to be making more and doing more. I mean, there's just not enough hours in the day for all the things that we do. The laborers are few, to say the least. But what I was going to talk to you today about, and that's what I put when I uh, scheduled this program, is freedom of religion. And I just gave you a little insight. If you don't have freedom of religion, you will not be free. If you don't practice freedom of religion when you have the opportunity, you will not be free. If you want to be free, you have to turn around and start, which is think, turn around your thinking and start practicing pure religion. Problem is, most people don't know what religion is. They think religion is what you think about God. They think it's performing certain rituals or wearing certain robes or doing that. I mean, it's like baptism. They think, oh, you have to be baptized. Do you have to be baptized with water? Do you really? That's not what John the Baptist said. John the Baptist said, I only baptize you with water. This one who comes after me baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What fire? What Holy Spirit? Are you baptized with the Holy Spirit? Because if you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're not really got the baptism of Christ because Christ doesn't baptize. Christ never baptized anybody with water. And the church, while it did practice that ritual, when you got the baptism of Christ, you were cast out of the welfare systems of the world. Now, we don't require that. Eventually, the world will say that. Undoubtedly, that's a prophecy. Of course, by the time they say that, there will be a whole lot else going on. (laughs) That may be the last of your concerns. But the reality is the baptism of Christ, where you were cast out of the Corbin, the welfare system of the Pharisees. And you had to start a daily ministration and take care of the needy of your society. Are you ready for that? Well, that's why he said, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, because you're probably not ready. Because you don't practice religion, because you think religion is what you think about God. Religion is how you take care of one another and fulfill your duty to God. And your duty to God is to care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Moses said it, Jesus said it, I'm saying it. 
Well, if you care, you'll come together to care, and make sure that care is providing for the true needs of the people in a way that strengthens them. Because you don't want to be weakening the poor with your charity. You want to be strengthening them. So anyway, I wrote an article last week uh, about freedom of religion. And, of course, in that article, I, I, I speak about uh, not only freedom of religion, but uh, uh, I also speak about uh, certain clauses of the Constitution eventually. Now, the article that you can now see that's up and visible so that people can see it uh, is, is at preparingyou.com. You can go there. And you can see it. I was actually looking for it. Here it is. Okay. And it starts off, Freedom of Religion. That's the title. So you look that up. There's a search engine at preparingyou.com so you can find it. And I'm talking about Kelly Shackleford's defense of freedom of religion at PragerU. And, and I say it was a valiant and maybe even good faith, but fundamentally flawed. Fundamentally flawed. Why was it flawed? Well, of course, I'll tell you. I don't just make accusations. I'm not picking on poor Kelly. But instead of defending freedom of religion, as he may have desired to do, he has perpetuated the power and delusion of the lie that people have already come to believe, which is simply not true. Uh, just to give you some background, Kelly Shackelford is the president of the First Liberty, uh, which is an organization. And he cites in some of the things he said in his uh, video that he did for PragerU, Thomas Paine, common sense, and uh, religious motivation of the revolution. But, and there was a, even a religious motivation with the pilgrims, and I eventually get to that in the second part of this article, which I have not yet put up. It's available to the ministers of the church, but uh, and they can make it available to the people in their congregation, but I haven't made it available to the general public. And certainly not, uh, well, not to the general general public, but not even to the network. But it is our intention to release it to the, them, and we've got plenty of things... Until you've seen everything, don't complain that we haven't released everything. Because we have released an awful lot that's there for free. Anyway, he defended the First Amendment saying that it wasn't an accident that it was the first freedom listed in the Bill of Rights. Beginning with, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise of. And of course, that clause right there. The free exercise clause is the part that I cover in the second part. But you won't even understand the first part until you understand that religion, for hundreds of years, the definition of religion was the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. That's what religion was, a performance of a duty. Religion wasn't what you think about God. Now, of course, what you think about God may affect how and in what way you perform that duty. But religion itself was what you do, which is why Paul writes the many things that he does about what you do and don't do, and why James writes the many things about what he says about what you do and don't do, and why Peter writes the many things that he says about 
not only what you should do, but if you do it through covetous practices, you will become merchandise and curse your children. And of course, any type of socialism is based on covetous practices. Any type of socialism is also based on making a contract with men who exercise authority one over the other. Because that's what socialism is. Somebody has the authority to redistribute your wealth. You cannot be a Christian and a socialist. It just does not compute. It's like being a dry, wet person. You cannot be a dry, wet person. Either you're wet or you're dry. You're not a dry, wet person or a wet, dry person. You can't be covetous and say you're a Christian. You can't be seeking to take away from your neighbor and say that you have come to love your neighbor as yourself. You've come to take away from your neighbor. You cannot live by faith and force at the same time. So, if religion is a duty that you practice, you practice this duty to God and your fellow man. Freedom of religion, which they even mention right there in that clause, respecting the establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. It's not about thought. It's about the exercise of a duty to God and your fellow man. You should be taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Now, right now, most churches take care of one another through praying to men who exercise authority one over the other. And those men tax your neighbor and borrow money against the future of your children to provide you with welfare today which is the antithesis of what Christ preached, and is exactly what the Pharisees thought was good, and Jesus condemned the Pharisees for. But your churches won't tell you that, which is why you are back in the bondage of Egypt, where you back are also back as surety for debt, and have become merchandise, and are part of that full stock of the merchants of the earth, and revelations. And why you... We know that you're in this, because you've already got the mark that they give you, the number that they give you, so that they know you're eligible for the benefits, as also you are responsible to pay in to their system. Somebody, like I said, they were writing me and talking about, do, do, are we supposed to pay taxes? And of course that question came up to Jesus. Does your master pay the tax? Is it a sin to pay the tax? These are trap questions. If you owe the tax, pay the tax. And that, of course, is what Christ said. And we say the same thing. If you owe the tax, pay the tax. Be be friends with the unrighteous mammon. If you're bound up in the unrighteous mammon, mammon is entrusted wealth. And it's not only your wealth is entrusted, you're entrusted. Your labor is entrusted. Your children are entrusted. That's why they're merchandise. That's why you're merchandise. But now, how do you get around that and get away from that. Well, you have to think differently. And you have to start practicing pure religion. And you have to start seeking the righteousness of God because impure religion is not righteous. The benefits you get from such a system that operates by force and fear and fealty are the wages of unrighteousness. Because they're based on force, not upon love. So, to be honest, in support of Shackelford and the Daily Wire, uh, reference historically examples of this suppression of religious freedom, uh, they explain how it affects all freedoms, 
pointing to the closure of churches and the control of all religious life under Soviet rule, under Chinese rule. Communist Chinese did that. And, of course, they find church a threat. Well, of course, Saturninus also found church a threat in North Africa because, and that's why he outlawed private religion. What was private religion? They were operating that daily ministration that took care of the needy of society through faith, hope, and charity. That was what private religion was doing. All private religions don't do that. Some private religions do it by, you know, you sign up and they tell you how much you have to pay in. We're specifically instructed that, no, you say, how much can you pay? And they say, this is what we can pay. And you take their word for it and you say, okay. Paid in full. We don't, we don't, we're not binding you. And of course, this is part of the essence of love, which we explained this morning. If you're trying to bind your spouse, you know, usually a man will try to bind his spouse by making a command. No, you have to do it this way. You have to think this way. You have to be this way. But a woman may try to get her way through more subtle means. You know, like, if you do it this way, I won't give you that dirty look I know how to give. <laughs> that all men have seen at one time or another. <laughs> I'm sure Adam saw it when Adam said, isn't this the fruit we're not supposed to eat? And she gave him that dirty look. And he ate. Well, it wasn't because, you know, yes, she was a part of that deception. But really, there were, Adam was not deceived. He knew. He admitted. Isn't this what we're not supposed to do? But he did anyway. So he really wasn't deceived. But in a way, he was deceived by the original lie that he would become like God. But that's not entirely a lie. Always really good lies have a lot of truth in it. He did become like God. He can now decide what was good and evil. He couldn't escape the consequences built into the system that God had established before him. But he could now decide good and evil. And it got him into a lot of trouble. And of course, Cain went off and continued to do it with the first city-state. And, of course, Nimrod did it. And many other rulers since. Well, we don't get back to liberty under God by, you know, I used to always say, before a nation, if you want to oppress a nation, first you get the men to oppress the women. Because a woman, you don't want a woman to obey you because you're pressuring her or forcing her. You want her to obey your word because she knows your word was established out of love and she loves you as well. But the real power is in the Holy Spirit. And like I said, the woman can be a vessel of the Holy Spirit as much as the man. And the woman just has to determine what the Holy Spirit wants her to do. Not what I want her to do. Not even what her husband wants her to do. Well, maybe her husband, but certainly not her boyfriend. But she should try to determine what the Holy Spirit wants her to do. And the Holy Spirit will be the power in her family as long as it's the power in her life. In the same way with a man. If he receives the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will be the power in his family, no matter what the wife decides, because he has given that power to the Holy Spirit. But if either one of them tries to take that power and have power over their family, 
Holy Spirit has no room to be there. Because they've already taken charge. They've already decided to decide what was good and what was evil. They're not dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, knowing the Holy Spirit is not an intellectual endeavor. You can read all the Bibles in the world and study Greek and Latin and still not understand what the Holy Spirit wants for you to do. That is a real thing that only comes with the breath of the Holy Spirit in your heart and in your mind. So anyway, we've got a little bit of an inkling now that religion has to do with the way in which we relate to everybody else. And the Soviets wanted to destroy the idea of the church being able to take care of one another. Chinese wanted to do the same thing. And so did Saturninus in 200 A.D. Whatever it was, around 250 A.D., somewhere around there. We have an article up. Look for a Christian conflict at preparing you. It explains what they were trying to do. They wanted to make them join the temples. Well, the temples were where they ran the welfare system. They were government buildings. Of course, in Israel, in Judea at the time of Christ, the temple was a government building. It's where you went if you fell on hard times. It's where you went for benefits. That's why the parents of the blind man didn't want to profess Jesus because they knew they'd be cast out of that temple welfare system. Which was also based on the tens, hundreds, and thousands because the synagogue was ten families. It was, it's, just a, it's not a corporation. It's just a, a free assembly. That's what, But a synagogue was basically ten families. And then those families were connected to ten, nine other families through nine other ministers. And then they picked a minister and this is the way they took care of the welfare system for the whole nation. So the, the truth that this pure religion challenges the means by which the authority of the state expands its power and diminishes the liberty of the people. Let's see, by offering those gifts, gratuities, and benefits, as we see up here with Plutarch, I get put a picture of Plutarch on the false religion, tickles the ears of the people, while encourage them in covetous practices, a society's appetite for the wages of unrighteousness degrades it and paves the road to despotism. Plutarch and Polybius, all these are hyperlinks to other articles so you can find out what I'm talking about, wrote about this and warned about this. John the Baptist Christ in the early church preached that you were to take care of one another through charity, not through force. If you decide to do it through force, you have to give power to a government to implement that force. And when you do that, I hardly can sympathize with you when you wake up one morning and you're not free. Now, I said originally that they should have listened to Davy Crockett more than Thomas Paine. Well, I have a hyperlink to an article on Davy Crockett, so you can go read why I say that. Find out what Horatio Bunce's argument against Davy Crockett was and how Davy Crockett conceded that this was the key to freedom. Is to do things the way Horatio said and not the way that occasionally Thomas Paine was tempted to do it. And Davy Crockett had been wrong and admitted that he was right. That's that's what you probably have to learn more than anything else is when to admit that you were wrong. To think that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the power of men who exercise authority one over the other despite the fact that Christ said it was not to be that way with you. 
So, now we're out of the, we've let the cat out of the bag that the welfare state is the antithesis of Christianity. The welfare state is the socialist program whereby you waive your rights to get benefits. You lose access to your rights to get benefits at the expense of others. Now, it's not really stealing. Taxation is not theft. People like to say that. Taxation is theft. Taxation is taxation. It may be motivated out of the covetous practices of the people. It may be motivated out of greed and desire to have power over others. But it's it's not theft because you signed up. Now, there may be some theft thievery involved because what happens is the government becomes so corrupt they just tax you out of existence like they did in Ukraine. that They just took all the food. They took all the food, all the supplies, cleaned out the root cellars, and the people died. And before they died, many of them were eating their own children. America doesn't know what starvation really is. I've seen an awful lot of people complain about hunger, and they're overweight by 100 to 200 pounds. Well, somebody's been feeding them. But the reality is, is that things are going to change. One of these days, for a lot of different reasons, but we won't get into that. I don't want to scare you. I want you to come seek the kingdom of God out of love, because if you do it out of fear, you're, you're going to miss it. So anyway, more links. We were warned. That's a link. You can go to an article and show you all the places in the Bible, where the, not all the places, but many places, enough in the Bible, where they warned you against this kind of thing and what would happen. And all of, of course has happened because your preachers haven't been warning you. They've been tickling your ears. And we have links to articles on Polybius and Plutarch who said things like the real destroyers of liberty of the people is he who spreads amongst them bounties, donations, and benefits. And of course, where does he get the power to do that? He takes it from his neighbor. And that is what... You don't want to be doing. But that is what you have been doing. And then I pointed out that who... Kelly Shackelford mentions Lexi Tocqueville. uh, Who understood that when men attack religious beliefs, they are following their emotions, not their interest. Uh, Tyranny may be able to do without faith, but freedom cannot. Now, when Tocqueville was looking at America, most all welfare in America was provided by free will offerings, by charity, by people taking care of one another. It was not coming from the government. And that was what Horatio Bunt and Davy Crockett were complaining about. But you wouldn't know that because you went to public school or some facsimile of public school, private school, that is using the same kind of curriculum. So you're not going to hear that. You're not going to hear that Patrick Henry's speech, Give Me Liberty and Give Me Death, was written because the government commanded that a preacher get a license to preach, get permission to preach, to get permission to be at church. And he said, no, this is a right given to us by God. And so they whipped the man. And he still wouldn't, uh, well, actually, they threw him into jail first, which was a pit in the ground in those days. And uh, then eventually they whipped him because he would not repent. 
He would not get a license to preach. He would not go apply for a 1023, you know, send in a 1023 application to the IRS to get a letter of determination. He wouldn't do that. And so they whipped him till the bones in his ribcage showed and he died of his wounds. And when he did, Patrick Henry wrote his speech. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. And he wrote that because he saw people losing their religious freedom, which he knew was the key and core to freedom altogether. Not because religious freedom was the right to think what you wanted to think, but to practice what you wanted to practice. You should be able to opt out of the social security system, and in some ways you can do that right now. For some, you not only can do that, you must do that. But for some, you can do that. For others, you may not be able to do that. Because we've gone so long down this road. You're going to have to, you want to get back, you have to turn around. Turn around your thinking, turn around your actions. Eventually, you will be able to opt out of Social Security, but everybody will probably be starving to death at that point. This is the way persecution goes. And I could go into all that, but it's only an hour program. <laughs> so, we won't go into all that. So, if repentance, again, is thinking differently, then people who think they are religious need to ask, when did God say it was okay to covet your neighbor's goods through men who exercise authority one over the other? He did not. This is the, this is the story of Daniel. Daniel was in bondage. But he wasn't going to eat at the table of the king. The the Christians who were tried under Saturninus, they were in bondage, but they were not going to eat at the table of the king. It got so bad that they actually went to one bishop. People didn't want to see, because the, the guy was great guy. I mean, he was helping out people, he was helping out Christians, but he also helped out Romans. And they were after him. They were, the woke people of Rome wanted to have him persecuted. Wanted to get him to break his bond with Christ. And so they said that you have to sacrifice at the temple. In other words, you had to pay in to our system of social welfare. And he said, no I don't. I'm not signed up. I'm not a part of your world. And they said, you have to or we will feed you to the lions or execute you or burn you at the stake. He says, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And so, what did they do? Well, they came to his house. And they set up a table outside of his house. And they put the statue that represented the temple so people knew that the table was an official temple of, table of the temple. And they said, you have to donate. And we have witnesses to come to show that you have donated. And men have brought the coin that you have to donate and they will put the coin down all you have to do is slide it across the table. It's not even your coin. Somebody else is providing. Because they didn't want to see him executed. He refused to do it. And eventually he was executed. They stabbed him. In the chest. In the full... It was a public edu- execution. And some people say that they saw a dove coming out of his chest when they stabbed him. 
But that's a problem with the translation. <laughs> they didn't see a dove come out. They saw him get stabbed because he would not be a part of a system that forced the contributions of the people. This was the conflict with Rome. This was the conflict with the tyrants of Rome. But how do you get to that? See, it's happened in America and it wasn't a conflict. People willingly signed up for benefits knowing that those benefits were only provided by men who exercised authority over their neighbor. So, there's so many things to understand. And in the Old Testament, they never even mention charity, but they do mention free will offerings. In the Old Testament, the people did gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And not just for the judgment courts of the, uh, you know, the cities of refuge. But they, they did it for, and then if you go back and you read our book, That Kingdom Come, free online at Preparing You, or at least at HisHolyChurch.org, free online. All of our books that we make available to the public are free online. But even the altars of Abraham, just like the altars of Moses, clay and stone, the clay and stone were living altars. And they were designed to take care of the needy of society. And that was because if you don't do it that way, your society will not stay free. And of course, that's what Plutarch said, and Polybius said, and countless other people have said throughout the ages. So now you wake up one morning and you find out you're not free, but you're not part of a network that cares about your freedom as much as you care about your own. And you don't care about their freedom, which is why you're not a part of that network as much as you you want to be free. You don't want to have to take the forced vaccination. You Maybe you don't want to take wear a mask everywhere you go. You know, there's, in Corinthians, there, there's a spot where it says that our, our face are unmasked. <laughs> That's right, he says that. Uh, so what, what the heck is that about, huh? So, once you understand what the word religion is, and what it meant 200 years ago, 2000 years ago in America, which was the pious performance of a duty, not that you're saved by words. But the, the pious performance of that duty draws you near the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit near you. Forgiveness strangles the Holy Spirit. I mean, lack of forgiveness, refusal to forgive, strangles the Holy Spirit. But forgiveness allows Him in. That's how you knock at the door. You say, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to decide good and evil for others. I don't even want to decide good and evil for me. I want the Holy Spirit to guide me. Well, it starts by stop trying to rule over your neighbor. So 2,000 years ago, for the first century church, they operated in faith, hope, and charity. They could have signed up for the welfare systems of Rome, the free bread of Rome. That was making the word of God to none effect in Rome and made the word of God to none effect in Judea. Which is why Christ took away the kingdom. Because they would not bear fruit. We talked about this morning. Who is it that bears fruit? Why do they bear fruit? So you have to change your thinking about what religion is. And therefore you will have to change what you're thinking about what a church is. 
in what the Bible is telling you. And that's a little hard because you have to admit that you were wrong. But if you do that, you can start down that path to righteousness. And fortunately, I can tell you that God will meet you more than halfway because you're going to need it. But if you don't turn around and start that journey, which is a journey to seek the kingdom, the dominion of God and His righteousness, how in the world will you come to the full knowledge of God? Because there's a lot of people that are worshiping their image of Christ They've drawn a picture of what Christ was doing and what they think he was doing and they worship the image that they have drawn. But unless you're taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity and the practice of pure religion, you're not really a Christian. You haven't really repented. You haven't really changed your mind. So, once you begin to... It it will change the way you look at politics, the way you look at the Bible, the way you look at the church. The way you look at the world, because the world, like I say, there's four or five different words in the Greek language that are all translated into world in one place or another. But they don't all mean the same thing. Because your, your religion isn't in, isn't in trouble because you haven't washed the linen. It's not that kind of unspotted by the world. It's unspotted by the constitutional orders and systems of government that force the contributions from one class of citizens to provide benefits to another class of citizens, thereby dividing all of the citizenry one against another and dividing all the people from God because you're doing exactly what Christ forbid you to do. All churches who advocate that are not the church established by Christ. They're a church. Of God's many, but they're not church of the God. Modern Christians should be doing and not doing what God said to not do and do. They should be obeying God. But changing the way you think is the meaning of the word repentance. And so before you start doing righteousness, you have to change the way you think. And come into the realization that you need to do things the other way. So the next part that I'll be posting shortly is the free exercise clause. Now that doesn't pertain to, pertain to everybody in the world because that's a clause of the Constitution of the United States. But a lot of countries have similar clauses. But not all. But if the United States would actually, if the Americans would start practicing pure religion and challenge those who are thwarting the practice of pure religion, we will become a light on a hill showing the righteous ways of God. Because right now, Christians everywhere are facing all kinds of tyranny. And they've let it come about. They have no character to stop it. But they would have that character and they would also have the Holy Spirit, which is where the real power comes from, to stop it. If they do what I talked about that's on the first section of this page on freedom of religion. So I say, while the the Constitution of the United States is wholly inadequate by biblical standards, and I have a link there at biblical standards to the book I've written, 
about contracts, covenants, and constitutions because the Bible tells you what to put in a constitution if you want to have men who can exercise authority one over the other. It gives you five different things to put in your constitution. They are not in the U.S. Constitution. Somebody asked me today uh, on Weinstein's group, uh, what, what single thing you used to believe, major idea, belief, that you used to believe, that you no longer believe. And uh, some people thought, well, I used to think that uh, being, uh, you know, eating lots of vegetables and low-fat diet was a good thing for you. But now I realize that a high-fat diet and uh, and uh, less carbs is a better diet. And I have to agree because I have, but I, w- I wasn't staunchly one way or the other before. So it wasn't a big change to become more keto in my old age, you know. And, uh, and so right now I am. I eat lots of vegetables and, uh, usually first. And then I eat a lot of meat. But of course I, I was just rounding up cows in Brandon yesterday. <laughs> and, uh, I have to take sheep out tomorrow. So I have lots of meat to eat. So that's practical for me. Because I am a shepherd on the desert. That's where I learned, unlearned what I thought I knew and learned what I thought I knew. But they wanted to know what the last thing that I believed wholeheartedly and and changed completely on. And of course I said, well, I was a constitutionalist until I read it. And now, of course, if I, I, I'm sure I read it long time before, but at that particular time when I read it, I had obtained new knowledge and information. And when I read it, I could see I could connect the dots to the problems that I had, to some degree, had read about in the Anti-Federalist Papers. And uh, even in the Federalist Papers, there were problems with it to begin with. But actually, I think they did a poor job with the Anti-Federalist Papers. They would have been better if they read my book, Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions. But I hadn't written it yet. But <laughs> or read Deuteronomy 17.16. And I'm sure some people came up with that, but that wasn't really well presented in the Anti-Federalist Papers, which was what was written and circulated at the time to oppose the Constitution. But the reality is, is that, yeah, when I read it and put it into the context of what I could see, the flaws, the dangerous flaws. And one of the most dangerous flaws is the contract clause, which is another part of the Constitution we don't discuss. Maybe I'll put a third part in here. I do have links to the Constitution and some of the articles about the Constitution and of course to the Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions that I've already written in the chapters on that and the audios that we've already made to explain these things. This is the thing that you have been taught so many things that are just not so. You're going to have to spend a little bit of time to learn what is true. And most of what you learn will help you set down what you already thought was true. You know, according to Wex, uh, which is a free legal dictionary, uh, it's an actual encyclopedia uh, put out by Legal Information Institute at Cornell Law School. It talks about the free exercise clause refers to a section of the First Amendment, and they say Congress shall, and this is, I'm looking here, Actually, I'm missing something on this page. I need to put it in here. But uh, 
Congress shall make no laws respecting the establishment of religion and prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Do you know what the key word there is? It's actually or. <laughs> That's the key word there. I mean, there's a lot of key words. Almost every word is important. But respecting the establishment of religion. Social Security Administration is respecting the establishment of religion because Social Security is the religion you get when you have no religion. Because Social Security is is what people use to take care of the needy of their society. But Social Security is spotted by the world because it is a result of a constitutional order system of government. It's a result of forced contributions. And it is actually making the Word of God to none effect. Now, you people who don't want to give up your Social Security, that's okay. I'm not telling you to. But I will tell you this. Your Social Security will give you up. It will fail. It is the unrighteous mammon. It is based on force and fear and fealty. So it will fail. And if you have to pay into it, you pay into it. And if the only way you can survive is to take from it, go ahead. But to whatever degree you can, you must seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you must change your thinking to realize that we should have done this ourselves, caring for one another, because it has killed the community that operated by faith. And it's very interesting, the people who oppose the Social Security Act, I won't go into all of them, but uh, the AMA opposed the Social Security Act, and they got an exemption until the 1960s. The Catholic Church opposed the Social Security Act, but then they struck a deal to a priest in a meeting in New York with Eleanor Roosevelt. And exactly what did that deal curtail? I don't know exactly. I can see the footprints in what happened. I know the meeting took place because that's in the book by the guy who devised the system. He said it was sold as if it was insurance. But it wasn't. But basically, it was the establishment of the religion that you needed because you didn't really have religion at the time. And to some degree, we still did back then in 1933. But we were getting farther and farther away from it. Some countries were quicker than others. Australia had gotten farther away faster than we had. And other countries probably as well. I just happen to know the history of Australia to some degree. But they did not yet prohibit the free exercise thereof. And they haven't yet prohibited it. But you don't know how the church is to exercise. Because the one who, as far as the Christian church is concerned, the one who established how we were to exercise pure religion, that was Christ. The policies of Christ. The doctrines of Christ. How he organized it. And you are amazed you will be amazed as we go through this step by step when you find out that he actually organized it much along the same lines as Moses did. You wouldn't think that by looking at things on the surface. Well, one of the reasons is the Pharisees have given us, and Pharisees and Sadducees and the Zealots have all given us a distorted view as to what Moses was actually doing. I have another book, Free Online, Thy Kingdom Come. In the first chapters of that, we show you what they were really doing with their altars of clay and stone. They were always living altars. 
There are always altars of faith. There are always altars supported by free will offerings. And the word they used there for the sacrifice was korban. Taken from the Hebrew word that means to draw near. Because sacrifice is what draws you near God and God to you. Sacrifice, where you lay down your life for your fellow man, is what draws the love of God into your heart and your mind so that God can hear your prayers. This is no different than your relationship of husband and wife. Do not you sacrifice for one another? The husband works and labors for the wife, and the wife has bears children for the husband. Do something we call labor, as well as do other labor besides. And then once the children come, they are both sacrificing their life to one degree or another. And that sacrifice is a measure of their love for one another. And it's usually manifested in the way in which their children look upon them and treat them. I recommend that all children forgive their parents their shortcomings, and all parents forgive their children their shortcomings. But you don't want your children to grow up and do the right things because you command it. You want your children to go up, grow up and do the right thing because they love it. You don't want your wife to do the right thing because you command it. You want your wife to do the right thing out of love. And you wives want your husbands to do the right thing out of love. You know, and we have whole uh, programs already and we don't have enough time to go into it. But that love, you know, you know, and it says, wives obey your husbands. Well, this was in a time when that was a really important thing. It's, it's important now, but in a different way back then. And we may come back to that, the reason why, because a woman could, was hard for her to even survive. Life was difficult back then. There were some that did on their own, but they usually had men working for them. But, uh, the reality is, is life was hard. It took, it took some real, hard-working men to make things work. And a woman by herself to raise children was very, very, very difficult. And it wasn't that easy a hundred years ago. And it it's not going to be easy probably maybe a year from now, maybe ten years from now, but it's going to get back hard again because things will break down. The unrighteous mammon will fail. Be friends with the righteous mammon. Pay your taxes if you owe the tax. But repent and seek the kingdom of God because the unrighteous mammon will fail. And what you're going to need to fall back on, and which is why Christ said to sit down the tens, hundreds, and thousands because he knew that there would be a decline and fall of the Roman Empire. And that's why he established the church to help the people get through that and to get through life in general. But people today do not have that kind of church. They do not understand the kingdom. They are not prepared for the decline and fall. And the people of the world know this, that they're not prepared for that fall. They're not prepared for that destruction that may come because people have, you know, you know, when Babylon burns, when the, the, these merchants of the earth who have a full stock of everything, including the souls of men, they don't know. They don't know where and how 
to take care of one another, the faith, hope, and charity people want to, uh, they want to do a lot of different things, but, uh, that they can only find the way by walking the way. There's no single roadmap. I'm not going to give you a single roadmap to follow. But just know this, you cannot be free unless you're willing to set others free from your own greed, from your own avarice, from your own wantonness. You have to be willing and desirous to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty. That is required if you want to be free. So, Moses, like I said, came to set the captive free. Jesus came to set the captive free. In truth, Abraham left Ur with many souls because he was there to set the captive free in order to obtain that freedom, you're going to have to think differently. You're going to have to think like Christ, who came to lay down his life so that he could pick up his life more abundantly. He he sacrificed so that he could send you the Comforter. If you want to receive the Comforter, you need to sacrifice too. You get to decide how to do that. And hopefully you'll do that according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But anyway... So we touched on a lot of things. You need to find out all the things we didn't say today. And one of the best ways to do that is to join the network. And I'll be sending out some more messages to the network shortly. And uh, find congregations as close to you as possible. We're still pretty spread out. And start sitting down and taking care of one another. In ways that strengthen one another. Start practicing that perfect law of liberty. Don't start dictating, oh, you got to do it this way, you got to do it on this day, and you got to do it saying these words. Don't do that. Start looking for the spiritual law of righteousness, of care, and of love. And if you do that, the world will begin to change. The world's going to change around you anyway. But your relationship to the world will begin to change. And you will hopefully meet with all of us someday in the keys and the kingdom of God. With the keys and in the kingdom of God. Until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.